Chapter 15 of My Reminiscences by Rabindranath Tagore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15 At the Himalayas. We stayed about a month in Amritsar and, towards the middle of April, started for the Dalhousie Hills. The last few days at Amritsar seemed as if they would never pass. The call of the Himalayas was so strong upon me. The terraced hillsides, as we went up in a jamfan, were all aflame with the beauty of the flowering spring crops. Every morning, we would make a start after our bread and milk, and before sunset, take shelter for the night in the next staging bungalow. My eyes had no rest the live-long day. So great was my fear, lest anything should escape them. Wherever, at a turn of the road into a gorge, the great forest trees were found clustering closer, and from underneath their shade a little waterfall trickling out, like a little daughter of the hermitage playing at the feet of hoary sages, wrapped in meditation, babbling its way over the black moss-covered rocks, there the jamfan bearers would put down their burden and take a rest. Why, oh why, had we to leave such spots behind, cried my thirsting heart. Why could we not stay on there forever? This is the great advantage of the first vision. The mind is not then aware that there are many more such to come. When this comes to be known to that calculating organ, it promptly tries to make a saving in its expenditure of attention. It is only when it believes something to be rare that the mind ceases to be miserly in assigning values. So in the streets of Calcutta, I sometimes imagine myself a foreigner, and only then do I discover how much is to be seen, which is lost so long as its full value in attention is not paid. It is the hunger to really see which drives people to travel to strange places. My father left his little cash-box in my charge, he had no reason to imagine that I was the fittest custodian of the considerable sums he kept in it for use on the way. He would certainly have felt safer with it in the hands of Kishori, his attendant. So I can only suppose he wanted to train me to the responsibility. One day, as we reached the staging bungalow, I forgot to make it over to him and left it lying on a table. This earned me a reprimand. Every time we got down at the end of a stage, my father had chairs placed for us outside the bungalow, and there we sat. As the dusk came on, the stars blazed out wonderfully through the clear mountain atmosphere, and my father showed me the constellations, or treated me to an astronomical discourse. The house we had taken at Bakrota was on the highest hilltop. Though it was nearing me, it was still bitterly cold there so much so that on the shady side of the hill the winter frosts are not yet melted my father was not at all nervous about allowing me to wander about freely even here some way below our house there stretched a spur thickly wooded with deodars into this wilderness i would venture alone with my iron spiked staff these lordly forest trees with their huge shadows towering there like so many giants what immense lives had they lived through the centuries 
and yet this boy of only the other day was crawling around about their trunks unchallenged i seemed to feel a presence the moment i stepped into their shade as of the solid coolness of some old-world saurian and the checkered light and shade on the leafy mould seemed like its scales my room was at one end of the house lying on my bed i could see through the uncurtained windows the distant snowy peaks shimmering dimly in the starlight sometimes at whatever i could not make out i half awakened would see my father wrapped in a red shawl with a lighted lamp in his hand softly passing by the glazed veranda where he sat at his devotions after one more sleep i would find him at my bedside rousing me with a push before yet darkness of the night had passed this was my appointed hour for memorizing sanskrit declensions what an excruciatingly wintry awakening from the caressing warmth of my blankets by the time the sun rose my father after his prayers finished with me our morning milk and then i standing at his side he would once more hold communion with god chanting the upanishads then we would go out for a walk but how should i keep pace with him many an older person could not so after a while i would give it up and scramble back home through some short cut up the mountain side after my father's return i had an hour of english lessons after ten o'clock came the bath in icy cold water it was no use asking the servants to temper it with even a jugful of hot water without my father's permission to give me courage my father would tell of the unbearably freezing baths he had himself been through in his younger days another penance was the drinking of milk my father was very fond of milk and would take quantities of it but whether it was a failure to inherit this capacity or that the unfavourable environment of which i have told proved the stronger my appetite for milk was grievously wanting unfortunately we used to have our milk together so i had to throw myself on the mercy of the servants and to their human kindness or frailty i was indebted for my goblet being thenceforth more than half full of foam after our midday meal lessons began again but this was more than flesh and blood could stand my outraged morning sleep would have its revenge and i would be toppling over with uncontrollable drowsiness nevertheless no sooner did my father take pity on my plight and let me off than my sleepiness was off likewise then ho for the mountains staff in hand i would often wander away from one peak to another but my father did not object to the end of his life i have observed he never stood in the way of our independence many a time have i said or done things repugnant alike to his taste and his judgment with a word he could have stopped me but he preferred to wait till the prompting to refrain came from within a passive acceptance by us of the correct and the proper did not satisfy him he wanted us to love truth with our whole hearts he knew that mere acquiescence without love is empty he also knew that truth if strayed from 
can be found again but a forced or blind acceptance of it from the outside effectually bars the way in in my early youth i had conceived a fancy to journey along the grand trunk road right up to peshwar in a bullock cart no one else supported the scheme and doubtless there was much to be urged against it as a practical proposition but when i discoursed on it to my father he was sure it was a splendid idea travelling by railroad was not worth the name with which observation he proceeded to recount to me his own adventurous wanderings on foot and horseback of any chance of discomfort or peril he had not a word to say another time when i had just been appointed secretary of the adi brahma samaj i went over to my father at his park street residence and informed him that i did not approve of the practice of only brahmins conducting divine service to the exclusion of other castes he unhesitatingly gave me permission to correct this if i could when i got the authority i found i lacked the power i was able to discover imperfections but could not create perfection where were the men where was the strength in me to attract the right man had i the means to build in the place of what i might break till the right man comes any form is better than none this i felt must have been my father's view of the existing order but he did not for a moment try to discourage me by pointing out the difficulties as he allowed me to wander about the mountains at my will so in the quest for truth he left me free to select my path he was not deterred by the danger of my making mistakes he was not alarmed at the prospect of my encountering sorrow he held up a standard not a disciplinary rod i would often talk to my father of home whenever i got a letter from any one at home i hastened to show it to him i verily believe i was thus the means of giving him many a picture he could have got from none else my father also let me read letters to him from my elder brothers this was his way of teaching me how i ought to write to him for he by no means underrated the importance of outward forms and ceremonial i am reminded of how in one of my second brother's letters he was complaining in somewhat sanskritized phraseology of being worked to death tied by the neck to his post of duty my father asked me to explain the sentiment i did it in my way but he thought a different explanation would fit better my overweening conceit made me stick to my guns and argue the point with him at length another would have shut me up with a snub but my father patiently heard me out and took pains to justify his view to me my father would sometimes tell me funny stories he had many an anecdote of the gilded youth of his time there were some exquisites of whose delicate skins the embroidered borders of even dhaka muslins were too coarse so that to wear muslins with a border torn off became for a time the tip-top thing to do i was also highly amused to hear from my father for the first time the story of the milkman who was suspected of watering his milk and the more men one of his customers detailed to look after his milking the bluer the fluid became till at last when the customer himself interviewed him and asked him for an explanation the milkman avowed 
that if more superintendence had to be satisfied it would only make the milk fit to breed fish after i had thus spent a few months with him my father sent me back home with his attendant kishori end of chapter 15 read by lambda